Praise God. Well, today, uh, church, we are <clears throat> wrapping up our theme for the month of February, which was City of Refuge. And we've been uh, celebrating Black History Month here at our church. And, and our team thought it would be awesome if, if many of us who come from different ethnicities and cultures wore something that would represent even our own culture to show solidarity um, in that very, that very fact, that we celebrate the diversity that God has blessed us with here at Mission. Amen? Man, it's so amazing and it's so important for us to recognize our differences in the body of Christ. Um, and it's not just because we're Christians. We don't accept one another's differences just because we're Christians or just because we're the body of Christ. God has called us to love one another as we are all children of the Most High. Amen? We're all children of the Most High. And... Um, <clears throat> And so we're just thankful that as the body of Christ, we can live that out and be exemplary to the world on what that's supposed to be like and what God has called us to as the church. Um, if we as the body of Christ cannot demonstrate what the love of God towards one another is all about, then the world itself is going to struggle. The world itself will not know if the body of Christ, which... The Bible says we should be known by our love. If we don't know how to love, then why would anybody want to, to know what and, and receive what we have received in Jesus Christ our Lord? So um, there are themes that, that we bring to the forefront at our church so that we can have healthy ways to consider what God has called us to as His people. I'd like to begin today by reading Psalm 133. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Psalm 133. And in this psalm, the psalmist writes a psalm of David about the beauty and the power of what it means to be united. Look what it says here in Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life forevermore. Amen? Verse 1, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Now last week, Pastor Koba preached a very poignant message. And he says, church, I'm going to be stepping on some of um, our toes today and, and, and praise God because um, that's what the Word of God should do. It should bring us to a place of conviction, contrition, uh, to a place of repentance or to a place of, of knowledge so that we can gather the wisdom that God has for us and that through our actions, others might come to the saving grace and saving knowledge of, of Jesus Christ. Amen? And Pastor Koba asked the question, how do we unite the body of Christ? How do we as the body of Christ express the love of God for the world? 
And how do we overcome the divisions that, that may be in the world? How do we overcome, and I'm asking us today, how do we overcome the barriers that sometimes we see and that we experience in life? Whether it be racial barriers, language barriers, ethnic barriers, socioeconomic barriers, whether it be barriers of differences of opinion, whether it be political barriers, whatever the case may be, how do we as the body of Christ overcome these many challenges that the enemy would like to use to keep us apart? How do we come together as a family, as the, a spiritual family, to break the bonds of division that, some, that in some ways are oppressing the church and the message of the church today? How do we overcome the challenges that we face as the body of Christ is our great challenge today. And there is no greater way to answer a great problem of our day. There is no better way to find the solutions of life and to the solutions of the church than through the very Word of God. Amen? There's no better way to answer the problems that we face, the problems that you may have by going to the Word of God. And one of the great words or the messages against division, one of the great messages against, um, against uh, prejudice, one of the great messages against separation is found in the role and the person and the baptism of who? The Holy Spirit. Somebody say the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the, the Holy Spirit of God is what created everything that we now know and experience as human beings? The Holy Spirit in His power as a source allowed the whole world to come into existence through the Word that God spoke. The Spirit, the Bible says, the Ruach. Everybody say Ruach. The Ruach of God, the Spirit, Spirit of God came upon everything that was formless and void and brought definition and substance, brought life. God breathed life into Adam through the Ruach, through the Spirit of God in Genesis chapter 1. So we read here in Psalm 133, how wonderful, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Now, how many of you guys are idealists? Man, you would love for things to be better. As a matter of fact, your outlook on life is always, you know, looking at things uh, with, the, with the glass half full. You always see things the way they could be. We see things the way we'd like them to be. We, we, we live and we operate in such a way to see things come to existence or come into fruition because, man, we just see things through the lens of Jesus Christ. And that's what it's like sometimes to be an idealist and to say, yes, God, it, it is good. It is pleasant when brothers live together in unity. Well, what's the opposite of that? It's messed up when we do not live in unity. It's sad and it's not pleasant when families are broken up. It's discouraging. When people 
don't know how to get along. It's disheartening. When we see the way we as human beings act and treat one another in this world. So yeah, I mean, it, it be, it's great and it's pleasant when brothers live together in unity or in harmony. But what about when they're not? What do we do? Like Mama Kathy saying, and she ministered to us, what about when things aren't good? What do we do? What about when we're at the end of ourselves and we don't have the answers? What about we, when we don't have the, the resources or the, the recourse of action in order to heal or to change our situations? What do we do? The Scripture teaches us. Let's go to the book of Joel. The prophet Joel. It's near the, old, near the end of the Old Testament. It's right after the book Hosea. And Joel was one of the minor prophets. It's right before the book of Amos. If you can't find it uh, in your Bible and it's taking too long, just open the church app, our, our mission church app on your phone. And go to the, the Bible portion of our app and you can just click, scroll, and punch on Joel right there and you'll find it as it scrolls down on the left hand. Look what it says in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 28 and following. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So this is a prophecy. Joel is prophesying about a future day, a future time that had not yet taken place or happened yet. And that's called prophecy. I'll show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. In other words, he's saying the Spirit is going to be poured out among all people in the end days. And guess what? Because the, 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 the day of the Lord will come shortly thereafter. Because the end of days will come very soon. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can I hear an amen? For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. So we have this prophecy in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and following. Um, and Joel is promising or prophesying that the Spirit is going to be poured out among all men, among every person. So let's now go to the, to the New Testament so we can make the connection, okay, some, some 700 years later where Jesus comes to us and then the Father promises the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So let's go to the book of Acts chapter 1. We're going to the Bible because we're wanna, we want to trust in God's Word in order to seek out the answers Churches all around the world are struggling right now. Churches are struggling right now. There are, there are visible divisions in churches. 
there are invisible divisions in churches. Did you know after the, the racial injustice that we faced in the last two years since 2020, after the George Floyd incident, did you know that there's been a, a great chasm and a great break in the Christian church, especially in the United States of America? Did you know that? Did you know that African-American brothers and sisters are more now than ever experiencing and having um, a response and a reaction of stepping back from participation in churches that they once believed or thought that were their own? And then because of the political strife and all of the, the divisions in our country and nation caused people to feel unsafe, psychologically unsafe because of the color of, the color of their skin and the way they now believe that people have perceived them. Even in our own church, and I'm not bringing up specific cases, but I know for a fact that many of our African-American brothers and sisters in Mission Ebenezer have felt that and have stepped back from physical attendance and participation even in the body of Christ. Did you know that? As the senior pastor, I hear, I see, we talk, we pray, we experience, we love, we, we fight and we battle so that God can renew, so that God can restore, so that God can help us all reestablish a trust that has been broken there in society. And that the church itself has got to figure out what are the answers to some of these issues and these social ills that we're facing and that we're experiencing because they're real. Oh, they're not real, Pastor. That's not my reality. It may not be your reality, but it's our brother and sister's reality who's not sitting in the chair next to you because they don't know that they, whether or not they feel safe in churches that are meant to be multicultural, the body of Christ that's meant to minister to every tribe and every nation. So why is it then that people feel the right, whether social media or on or on media itself, or politicians? or people of influence that feel that the need, they just go and say whatever they want and cause a people, even our African-American people, to feel that they are less than and that there is still a, a bold and blatant treatment or an opinion or a perception of them. And those are the realities that we're facing today in the church. In a book written called The Color of Compromise, it talks about these challenges and these issues that the church is facing. You might want to look that up if this is something that, that you're wondering about and praying about. It's biblically centered, but it also helps open the eyes of the people of Christ, the people of God. So bear with me, church. Bear with me. Because today we're going to be doing a lot of praying. And we're going to continue to be doing a lot of praying here at this church to overcome the things that we're facing. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, as the fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy by the, the prophet Joel, Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait there until the Holy Spirit of God is poured out upon you. And so we find here in Look at in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If you're there, say amen. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now Jesus is saying, now here's the, the, here's the issue. Here's the problem. I'm getting ready to leave, Jesus said, but I'm going to send my spirit to be with you. And it's not just to be with you so you can feel good. It's not just somebody who's going to stand in and rub you on the back. Yes, we call him the paraclete, the comforter. But guess what? The Holy Spirit is one who empowers. The Holy Spirit is one who enables us and gives us the strength and the power that we need to overcome and to do the things that God is calling us to do. And the reason why Jesus was, was imparting the Spirit upon the people was so that the church would be established, so that the church would then be able to preach the message of salvation and bring the message of salvation to all people. Can I hear an amen? In verse 8 right here, it says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, just like the book of Joel said, which was 700 years prior, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That meant right there in their, their city. In Judea, that meant Los Angeles County, right? I'm just bringing it practically for us. In Samaria, all of SoCal. And then it says, and to the ends of the earth. To everywhere around the world, the Holy Spirit was going to empower these apostles, these people that were going to be blessed by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And let's see what happens now in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, and we're studying the book of Acts on Wednesday nights, and we studied this two weeks ago. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover or the resurrection of Jesus, that, that time of celebration for the Jews in Jerusalem. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, Xenoglossy is the type of tongues that were being spoken right here at the first outpouring of the, of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit among the people that were here in Jerusalem, that were waiting and expecting God to show up. And xenoglossy simply means that they, people were actually speaking in a language that they did not previously know, but it was actually someone else's known language from a different part or region of the world. Are you tracking with me so far? Glossolalia is the, the feeling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit of speaking in tongues that is a heavenly language that nobody knows because it's unintelligible. It means nobody, nobody speaks that language. That's, that's glossolalia. Okay. And some of us pray with in tongues when we're praying and, and, and it's, it's an unknown language, but it's a language between you and God. And the book of Romans chapter eight, it teaches us that the groanings of the Holy Spirit when we pray go directly to the heart of God. So we're able to pray in our Holy Spirit language in order that we can communicate directly from God things that we can't even communicate with our, our intelligible mind or language. Are you ever having a conversation with somebody just in a re your regular talk or regular speak and you can't even remember what you were going to say? You remember the word that you wanted to communicate? 
You ever had a tough conversation with somebody and you say, you know what, I, I don't even know how to express the way I feel? Have you ever had one of those moments? Well, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. He steps in and he becomes a mediator between us and God where there are, there's no hold bars, there's no division, there's no short, shortage of words, there's no, there's no um, problem or challenge of communicating with the spirit man or the spirit woman in you wants to communicate in worshiping our almighty God. Amen? So when the people were baptized by the Holy Spirit here in Jerusalem, they were waiting on God, and as Joel prophesied, the Holy Spirit was poured out among all men. Men and women that were there in that room were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And what they said was it was as if there were tongues of fire that were floating above each person's head that was there in that room. Let's continue. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. From where? From where? Every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to, to Judaism. And that's the reason why they were all there. They were Jews. There were Jews from all over the region that were there in Jerusalem celebrating and observing a holy feast called Passover, which was the deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt when they were enslaved for four, over 400 years. You all know the story of Moses, right? And delivering the people of Israel. That was the Passover. Let's continue. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? They've never experienced this, you guys. Nobody had ever experienced people speaking and being baptized in other tongues or being filled with the Holy Spirit in this way. None of these Jews that were there waiting on God, they were, they were waiting on God, but they weren't just sitting around staring at each other. They weren't just sitting around playing cards. They weren't just sitting around watching Netflix all the time. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not getting on your case. I'm talking about all of us. They were praying. And they were waiting on God. There was a great problem, a great issue that they were trying to overcome. And what was the great issue? Jesus had just left them in the flesh. Jesus, the Messiah, the one, the Savior, the one that they had put all their faith and trust, who had just ascended to heaven, guess what? He now left them, so to speak, abandoned them and left them all to themselves with the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of what? All nations, church, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave them the instructions, but then he, he delegated them and says, now go and be ambassadors, and I will be with you, only not physically, but spiritually. 
and I will send my spirit to be with you, to comfort you, to counsel you, to direct you, to fill you, to, to uh, reform you, to transform you, to renew you, to restore you, to empower you, to fill your, your mouth and your body with praises and glory and the message of the gospel. I will teach you my ways. I will show you whom to go. And I will show you how to love. Jesus gave all these promises to the people and the people were receiving them. But the first initial evidence that the Spirit of God was with the church, somebody say the church, was with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and His outpouring upon His people. Wow. Whenever the baptism of the Holy Spirit was present, it signified unity. It signified that there was a united spirit. That there was, the people were in one accord. They were one people. They were one body. All the people that were there when the, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them became one body. Even closer than they had been before that moment, that event, that turning point in Christian history and the history of the world. They became one body. Somebody say one body. Say one spirit. Hallelujah. So they were there, people from all over the world, and then they were, the, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And it says it was like a, mush, a, a rushing, violent wind that came from heaven that filled the whole house where they were sitting. Okay, are we? Do we see right there in verses five and six of chapter two? It says that people came from every nation under heaven. Now turn with me to the book of Acts. Okay, book of Acts, chapter ten, verse thirty-four. So just a couple of pages back, and now we're going to see how the Holy Spirit, after being poured out upon the apostles and the one twenty that were there waiting on God received a message from God. And now in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, we're going to read now how God had to take the message even further. Because although the Holy Spirit was poured out among the people and they had this great experience and were empowered by the Holy Spirit, how many of you know that after you receive salvation and after you receive Jesus Christ and you start to get fed and learned in the Word of God, it now takes time to establish a process that God wants to do in us to start undoing some things that we have been carrying or to start undoing some things that we are or to start changing and transforming the way we think or the way we used to live or we have to fight against and break the, the, the we have to break the shackles and the bonds that Satan has tried to come and bring upon each and every one of us so that we remain divided. Because if there is a house that is divided, it cannot stand, the Bible says. If the people of God are divided, if the people of God are, are fighting and there is infighting, if the people of God do not have the trust and are not one people, then guess what? We will never be able to unify and then go and be on mission. 
We will never be able to do the great commission that Jesus has called us to if we are divided and if we are broken and if we're fighting amongst ourselves. So there's got to be an overcoming in the Spirit. It's got to start first with the Spirit of God in us. It's got to start with the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this place and in this church that is going to break down the walls, that is going to break down barriers, and that's going to force us to see things differently and change the way we look, change the way we talk, change the way we love. Oh, because guess what? The temptation is to hear this message, to go out of this place and just keep doing things the way we normally do them. But we can't. We can't. Things have got to drastically change in the church. And it's going to start with us, Mission Ebenezer. It's going to start with us. Look what it says in chapter 10, verse 34. Peter, one of the greatest of Jesus' disciples. He received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. He was speaking in tongues. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. But guess what? He thought and still felt that the, the message of the gospel and salvation was for the Jews only. He thought it was for only people that talked like him, acted like him, believed like him. For people that looked like him. Peter, one of Jesus' greatest disciples, was guilty of prejudice. You see, sometimes religion... Causes hatred. But the Holy Spirit didn't come here because of religion. The Holy Spirit was given to us because of the love of Jesus and the love of God. Because of our faith. Not because of tradition. Not because of power, structures, authorities. Not because of the way religious structures are built and managed and run. No, God's called us to a kingdom life. God's called us, to the body of Christ, to reflect the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Look what it says. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear Him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know that what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Jerusalem, in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power, and how He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with Him. Do you know that even us, the church, can be guilty of allowing the devil to manage certain areas of our life? Did you know that, that the devil is here in the church right here, right now? Did you know that the devil can stir us up to hatred, bigotry, oppression, discord, dislike? The devil can do that even in a believer's life. Oh, but I thought that, that, that once a person receives Christ that they can't do no wrong. Come on now, y'all. The flesh st still lives in us. The flesh is still here in us. 
every thought, every action has got to be brought under the subjection of Jesus Christ our Lord in all humility. We have to recognize that even as Peter recognized that we have faults and that we have blind spots and that there are areas of our life, you guys, that we still haven't surrendered and given over to God. Can I hear an amen? In a, in a time and in a season where we as the church need God to come in and bring healing. It's got to start here in the church. Peter says, I now know. I now know. I now realize. In other words, my eyes have been opened. I have been awakened. My spirit has now acknowledged that God desires something different. And do you know, you guys, what was the sign for Peter to recognize that God wanted to reach all people with the message of salvation? Was that the Gentiles were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit right there in front of Peter. And then Peter had no choice but to recognize that God, who was bigger than him, was doing something bigger than his understanding was doing something bigger than his human religious tradition, was doing something different than even what he had known and experienced and, and, and recognized even in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit baptized him with fire. Peter was baptized with fire, preached two radical sermons where thousands and thousands of people got saved. And God continued to use Peter to reach the lost with the message of, of salvation. But God wanted to bring Peter to another level of influence, another level of recognition, another level of humility and surrender to God, recognizing that God's the one in charge, not him. And it says that the Gentiles were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Look in verse 40, 44 of chapter 10. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, that means the Jews who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. What we're studying and looking at is how the baptism of the Holy Spirit unites people and tears down boundaries and barriers. Are we seeing that, church? We're not just... Today's message is not that the gospel is for all people. That's not the point. The point is that the Holy Spirit and the role of the agent of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is in your life and the Holy Spirit that is in this church, the Holy Spirit that lives in this body and in this family, wherever the Holy Spirit is alive and active and well, guess what? God unites people. God brings us together because the Holy Spirit as a power, the Holy Spirit as God Himself, governs who we are and can overcome any shortcomings that we as people have. 
Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's see what Paul has to say. Verses 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. And he's talking about the many gifts. He's talking about the many parts of the body of Christ. Let's just read these two verses. Verses 12 and 13 right here in Scripture. Paul says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one Spirit to drink. So Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's talking about unity. And he's saying that God has given us the Holy Spirit. And we drink from that same Spirit, no matter who we are, no matter our differences. Amen? Finally, in 1906, almost 2,000 years later, I think Pastor Coba mentioned him, but I'm going to go a little deeper into the story of Pastor William Seymour, who came all the way here to Los Angeles to pastor a church. And when he had been teaching the baptism of the Holy Spirit to the people there at that church, they locked him out of the church. And they said, you can't teach that doctrine here. We don't believe in the, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he was kicked out of the church that he, would, he was called and hired to pastor and to lead. So he says, all right, fine. Well, there was a couple people. Uh, a beautiful couple here in Los Angeles, African-American couple that said, why don't you come over to our house and we'll start having uh, prayer meetings and we'll do Bible studies right here in the, on the front porch. So he says, bless God. And brother William Seymour, an African-American brother, was there ministering and teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit on April 9th, 1906. Suddenly, it's quoted as though they were struck by a bolt of lightning. They were knocked from their chairs to the floor and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. Except for William Seymour. He wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit at that moment. He wasn't baptized in the Spirit until a few days later. But the reason why they were gathering a few days later was because of the, the Pentecostal revival that took place right here in Los Angeles at Azusa Street. And that's why it was one of the greatest global revivals and expressions of and movements of God that's happened here in modern history. Not just in ancient history, but in modern history. In 1906, we see right here when the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all were filled with tongues here in Los Angeles. World travel, The word traveled fast, you guys. And multitudes began to come from all over the world. It had just happened to be when the, the ports of Los Angeles began to be a massive, massive trading port. And people were coming from Alabama, Mississippi, all over the country to come and work here at the ports in Los Angeles by train, by bus, by vehicle. People began to show up on, on ships and boats coming because of what they heard was taking place here at the Azusa Street Revival. The sick were healed and the sinners were saved. And once again, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit United all people. There were Chinese people, white people, black people, Hispanic people, people coming together that didn't speak the same language, but they were being united 
by the word of God, by prayer, and by the outpouring of the, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There was a tremendous outpouring and a movement of God that has spread all throughout the globe since then in the last 100 plus years. Did you know that our Pentecostal movement and revival, you guys, spread all throughout the continent of Africa, all throughout Central and South America, all throughout China? Our Pentecostal faith and practice of our faith, you guys, has been the fastest growing Christian movement in our modern era. And it's because the Holy Spirit breaks down barriers. The Holy Spirit breaks down boundaries. Hallelujah. Isn't that a blessing, church? That we are given the gifts and the, the, the charismatic gifts and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want to invite our, our worship team to come on out.